Hello, I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. Welcome back to the Nightly Bedtime Story, where I've been reading you Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan, written by J.M. Barry. Tonight we're going to continue with Episode 11. Now, when we left our characters last night, oh, it was very exciting, they were in the Mermaid Lagoon, and Peter and Captain Hook were fighting on the rock. And Peter had jumped in the lagoon, and Captain Hook cried to Starkey and Smee, Get him dead or alive! Well, let's see if he did get him dead or alive. In Episode 11 of Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan, written by J.M. Barry. He leaped as he spoke, and simultaneously came the gay voice of Peter. Are you ready, boys? Aye, aye from various parts of the lagoon. Then lamb into the pirates. The fight was short and sharp. First to draw blood was John, who gallantly climbed into the boat and held Starkey. There was a fierce struggle in which the cutlass was torn from the pirate's grasp. He wriggled overboard and John leaped after him. The dinghy drifted away. Here and there a head bobbed up in the water and there was a flash of steel followed by a cry or a whoop. In the confusion, some struck at their own side. The corkscrew of Smee got Tootles in the fourth rib, but he was himself pinked and turned by Curly. Farther from the rock, Starkey was pressing slightly, and the twins hard. Where all this time was Peter? He was seeking bigger game. The others were all brave boys, and they must not be blamed for backing from the pirate captain. His iron claw made a circle of dead water round him, from which they fled like affrighted fishes. But there was one who did not fear him. There was one prepared to enter that circle. Strangely, it was not in the water that they met. Hook rose to the rock to breathe, and at the same moment Peter scaled it on the opposite side. The rock was slippery as a ball, and they had to crawl rather than climb. Neither knew that the other was coming. Each feeling for a grip met the other's arm. In surprise, they raised their heads. Their faces were almost touching. So they met. Some of the greatest heroes have confessed that just before they fell to, they had a sinking. Had it been so with Peter at that moment, I would admit it. After all, this was the only man that the sea cook had feared. But Peter had no sinking. He had one feeling only, gladness, and he gnashed his pretty teeth with joy. Quick as thought, he snatched a knife from Hook's belt and was about to drive it home when he saw that he was higher up the rock than his foe. It would not have been fighting fair. He gave the pirate a hand to help him up. It was then that Hook bit him. Not the pain of this, but its unfairness was what dazed Peter. It made him quite helpless. He could only stare, horrified. Every child is affected thus the first time he is treated unfairly. All he thinks he has a right to when he comes to you to be yours is fairness. After you have been unfair to him, he will love you again, but he will never afterwards be quite the same boy. No one ever gets over the first unfairness. No one, except Peter. He often met it, but he always forgot it. I suppose that was the real difference between him and all the rest. So when he met him now, it was like the first time and he could just stare, helpless. Twice the iron hand clawed him. 
A few minutes afterwards, the other boys saw Hook in the water, striking wildly for the ship. No elation on his pestilent face now, only white fear, for the crocodile was in dogged pursuit of him. On ordinary occasions, the boys would have swum alongside, cheering. But now they were uneasy, for they had lost both Peter and Wendy and were scouring the lagoon for them, calling them by name. They found the dinghy and went home in it, shouting, Peter! Wendy! as they went. But no answer came, save mocking laughter from the mermaids. They must be swimming back or flying, the boys concluded. They were not very anxious they had such faith in Peter. They chuckled boy-like because they would be late for bed, and it was all Mother Wendy's fault. When their voices died away, there came cold silence over the lagoon, and then a feeble cry. Help! Help! Two small figures were beating against the rock. The girl had fainted and lay on the boy's arm. With a last effort, Peter pulled her up the rock and then lay down beside her. Even as he also fainted, he saw that the water was rising. He knew that they would soon be drowned, but he could do no more. As they lay side by side, a mermaid caught Wendy by the feet and began pulling her softly into the water. Peter, feeling her slip from him, woke with a start and was just in time to draw her back. But he had to tell her the truth. We are on the rock, Wendy, he said, but it is growing smaller. Soon the water will be over it. She did not understand even now. We must go, she said almost brightly. Yes, he answered faintly. Shall we swim or fly, Peter? He had to tell her. Do you think you could swim or fly as far as the island, Wendy, without my help? She had to admit that she was too tired. He moaned. What is it? she asked, anxious about him at once. I can't help you, Wendy. Hook wounded me. I can neither fly nor swim. Do you mean we shall both be drowned? Look how the water is rising. They put their hands over their eyes to shut out the sight. They thought they would soon be no more. As they sat thus, something brushed against Peter as light as a kiss, and stayed there, as if saying timidly, Can I be of any use? It was the tail of a kite, which Michael had made some days before. It had torn itself out of his hand and floated away. Michael's kite, Peter said without interest. But next moment he had seized the tail and was pulling the kite toward him. It lifted Michael off the ground, he cried. Why should it not carry you? Both of us. It can't lift two. Michael and Curly tried. Let us draw lots, Wendy said bravely. And you a lady, never. Already he had tied the tail round her. She clung to him. She refused to go without him. But with a Goodbye, Wendy. He pushed her from the rock, and in a few minutes she was born out of his sight. Peter was alone on the lagoon. The rock was very small now. Soon it would be submerged. Pale rays of light tiptoed across the waters, and by and by there was to be heard a sound, at once the most musical and the most melancholy in the world, the mermaids calling to the moon. 
Peter was not quite like other boys, but he was afraid at last. A tremor ran through him, like a shudder passing over the sea. But on the sea, one shudder follows another till there are hundreds of them, and Peter felt just the one. Next moment, he was standing erect on the rock again, with that smile on his face and a drum beating within him. It was saying, To die will be an awfully big adventure. The End For Tonight Oh, is it the end for Peter? It's not looking good, is it? He saved Wendy, though. He tied her to a kite, and off she went. And all the lost boys are safe. But Peter is on the rock all by himself. Well, you know what? We always have to remember that Peter Pan can do just about anything. I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. I'll be back tomorrow night to read you Episode 12 of Peter and Wendy, Peter Pan by J.M. Barry. But for tonight, good night.